Before we begin, just a quick warning. This episode contains a few descriptions that may be considered sensitive, such as suicidal thoughts. Listener discretion is advised. This season of Sincerely Human is sponsored by Riley's Way Foundation. Through community-focused programs, Riley's Way inspires teens to lead with empathy and kindness to build a better, kinder, more just world. From connecting student leaders to awarding grants for projects that amplify kindness, Riley's Way Foundation equips the next generation of leaders with the tools and resources they need to envision change and achieve it. Please stay tuned for Kindness Calling, our post-script segment featuring the remarkable teens from Riley's Way Foundation. Today on the podcast, we're talking about a topic that we haven't really covered in the past. But before we go into it, we wanted to remind you once more to quickly subscribe to the podcast. Our team works extremely hard editing, scoring, researching, scripting, and doing all that it takes to share these stories. So we appreciate every bit of support you guys give to us. It just takes a second to subscribe. And while you're on your podcast app, you can also rate and leave us a review. Your feedback helps us get stories of kindness in action to as many people as possible. The thing that makes you different is the thing that makes you funny. You don't have to change a thing about you to be funny. If you're shy, if you're awkward, the thing that you're worried that other people tease you about, the thing that people do tease you about, you actually get to double down on that. You don't have to get over it or fix it or hide it. So you stop worrying about the stuff that you think is wrong with you and you just invest in it and you find out that it makes people laugh and it makes people listen. You're listening to Sincerely Human, a podcast that tells stories of kindness in action from the lens of today's most inspiring humans. This is Camille. This is Maverick. Welcome to the show. Despite the strides women have made in the comedy world, studies have shown that women are stereotyped as less funny than men. Female comedians often get less stage time than their male counterparts. And only one female comedian, Amy Schumer, has ever made it to Forbes' highest paid comedians list. So, how do we change this? Lynn Harris, a feminist entrepreneur, journalist, author, and comedian, whose story you'll hear about today, might just have an answer. Lynn is the CEO of Gold Comedy, a platform for teen girls and non-binary folks who want to turn their sense of humor into their superpower. At Gold Comedy, Lynn is teaching comedy to encourage young people to have their voices heard, both on and off stage. I did always love to make people laugh. I'm an only child, so it was easy to like force my parents to be an audience. From an early age, she had a knack for comedy. In high school, Lynn was into theater and music. I was a musical theater nerd. I was always, you know, the wacky redhead as opposed to the lovely lead. You know, I was always the comic relief. And that's just what I gravitated towards. Um, in college... I went from being a musical theater nerd to an acapella nerd. And so I was never the best singer, but I was able to kind of cover the fact that I couldn't really sing or dance by joking around. When Lynn was 16 years old, 
She went on a Jewish youth ski trip in Manchester, New Hampshire. And on one of the evenings, a bunch of dudes, one of whom may or may not have been Adam Sandler, somehow borrowed nightgowns and grapefruits or something. And they like stuffed their quote unquote bras and got on stage with these nightgowns and did some like sketch that brought the house down. And I'm sure it was very funny. Like, I remember laughing, like, sure, great. But I also remember thinking, you know, my first instinct was, oh, hey, you know, Jessica, Amanda, we got to do this. We got to do this. Because I was like with the loud funny girls, you know, and I was like, we got to do this. But while Lynn thought it would be hilarious, she took a step back. Then I thought to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't. Not because we're not funny, because we were. But I knew even then that the reception would be different for girls, that people have a very low, or I would say easy to get over a comedy bar for dudes, like nightgowns, grapefruits, go for it. But if we had just gotten up there and like put like bananas in our pants, we could not have done such sort of simple silliness and brought the house down the same way. Lynn recognized that there were different expectations for men and women when it came to comedy but she didn't let that reality stop her. I don't want to live in a world where girls decide not to try something. I don't want to live in a world where girls are like, we know we won't get the same reception, so let's not do it. I want to live in a world where they will get the same reception, where everyone just like lets their freak flag fly and gets on stage and does whatever goofball thing they want to do. From that time on, Liz started using comedy to make serious issues like gender equality accessible. Besides performing at comedy clubs, she also worked as a journalist. I was drawn toward, you know, using entertainment or comedy or something mainstream or accessible to make serious issues real and relevant and actionable and enjoyable for the largest possible number of people. So that's sort of where all those threads started to merge for me. And um, I've been trying to figure out how to like make fun things that make a difference ever since. In 2016, Lynn launched Gold Comedy. The organization started with giving live comedy classes, online resources, and organizing events for teen girls. It's the go-to platform for girls and young women and non-binary folks who want to be funnier. Whether they want to be a comedian or like maybe near comedy or just like comedy and want to get better at it for whatever reason, we're the place. Gold Comedy provides teens with a safe space where they can practice their comedy skills and build their confidence. At Gold Comedy, they live by a motto. The thing that makes you different is the thing that makes you funny. The thing that makes you different is what gives you your own special point of view and makes you not just telling the same joke that we've heard before. And so whether you're a you know, teenage girl or older, whatever it is, You don't have to change a thing about you to be funny. If you're shy, if you're awkward, the thing that you're worried that other people tease you about, the thing that people do tease you about, you actually get to double down on that. You don't have to get over it or fix it or hide it. And so when you double down on that thing that you think is your flaw, that's what actually gives you your best strength and your biggest funny. Embracing what makes you different through comedy builds confidence. For one particular member of Gold Comedy, Stand-up actually saved her life. I'm a comedian, activist, instructor, motivational speaker. That's Elsa Waith, founding instructor at Gold Comedy. 
Before launching into the stand-up world, Elsa went through a difficult period in her life. She had an unfulfilling job selling portraits at a photo studio. Her ex-girlfriend stole a significant amount of money from her, and she was also on probation for smoking weed. Life just did not feel like it was working out the way it should for my, you know, young 22, 23-year-old self. I mean, I look back on it now, and wow, how silly was that? But I really did kind of think that, like, you know, maybe I should just end it, right? If this is where you're supposed to be getting your foothold, my feet are not holding, you know? Elsa knew her roommate kept a gun at the apartment. I, I went looking for it, and I found it. And I think, you know, thankfully, I didn't quite, you know, know what to do with it. But I just sat there for a really long time. And that year, I'd also been just sort of writing notes in a notebook just about my frustrations that year. And some of the things that, you know, were frustrating, but kind of funny, too. And I didn't realize I was writing jokes, but I was just writing thoughts, 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 thoughts. Sitting there that night with a gun in her hand, Elsa remembered something. My probation officer at the time, you know, she told me, she's like, you're sad, you're upset because you spent so much time drinking and doing drugs. And now that you're on probation and you can't do that anymore, you need to fill your time with something else. There's got to be something else you want to do. And I'm like, man, I don't know. Maybe I want to do jokes. Maybe I want to try comedy or whatever. And uh, I had a friend who I had been talking to that year and like telling her that like, maybe I want to try comedy. Maybe I want to try comedy. And we had found where there was an open mic some like weeks prior. And I just called her up first thing that morning. And I was like boohooing and snot bubble crying all into the phone. And I was just like, hey, could you do me a favor and just make sure you come tonight and take me to that open mic? At the open mic, Elsa realized her struggles were something she could embrace and even make fun of. I was nervous, but I I sort of just kind of just read straight out of my notebook and people laughed at it. And it felt good to get that sort of reaction and like, oh, wow. Maybe that's not as weird of a thought as I thought. Or, you know, maybe, uh, oh, wow, people relate to that. It felt a little like a roller coaster. There were some things that I would say, and people just lost their mind and completely laughed and, you know, lost it over. There were some things I said, and I got, you know, silence back. It was a mixed bag. But when I got off stage, I was like, whoo, you want to do it again? You want to try another one? Can we do it faster? Can we do the roller coaster backwards? Can we add an extra loop in there? And it just felt like, you know, oh my God, this sponge is never going to be dry. I'm just going to always be able to, you know, to do this. I'm never going to run out of thoughts, you know? Within six months of doing stand-up, Elsa decided to take a class at Gold Comedy. There, she learned what it takes to write a good joke. You need to write everything down. And like 80% of what you write, 80% of what you do is going to be trash. But you got to do it. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. And you're looking for that 5, 10, 20% that's gold, a.k.a. comedy gold. But, you know, a lot of what you're doing, it's mining. It's mining that gold. And a lot of it is just going to be trash. But, you know, you got to get through a lot of that. And those were life lessons. Elsa soon became an instructor at Gold Comedy. There, she teaches more than comedy skills. 
I've talked to some girls who I've taught this, you know, this course, and they've maybe have never went on to do comedy again after they've worked with gold or whatever. But they told me how one of the jokes that they wrote, they used in their job interview or in their college admissions interview or something like that, you know, and the skills that you learn, these are social skills, you know, comedy and humor are social skills. It's powerful to have these sort of things. For me, nowadays, it's not just about being on stage or the comedy. It's about exercising and flexing your voice and trusting your thoughts and trusting your brain and the persistence and the resilience and the toughness that it takes to get to that 80% that's garbage before you get to that 20% that's, you know, that's good. There are so many life lessons from comedy. Learning these skills is even more important for young girls. Comedy is, of course, it's about speaking your mind, speaking your thoughts, and being bold and brave. In this day and age, thankfully, things are starting to change and move in a different direction, but girls are often overlooked. Their voices overlooked, discounted, and here's the thing. If society never, ever changes that, then I want my girls to think differently, you know? challenge that. What these girls get from this, if nothing else, is just the confidence. And that's what's really important. That's where it starts. For Elsa, learning to be silly is more important than it seems. These girls have got to learn now, at an early age, how to speak their minds and and to be free and be silly. Girls are really always taught to be prim and proper, and this is the way you sit, and this is the way you behave. And silly is not always a luxury afforded to everyone, but it is. It's you know to to let go of everything and not care what you look like in this moment and not care what you sound like in this moment is a very powerful thing. And I think that sometimes that often holds girls and women back. From speaking their mind, because I don't want to come off as to this or to that. Let's stop caring about that early. You know, <laughs> that's how I feel. That's also what Lynn wished many years ago: for young girls to feel free, to be silly, and to have their voices heard at the same time. You know, in order to bring about the kind of equality and equity that we need, there are a million ways we could do it. Right? Comedy isn't the only way. I just like comedy, and I think it matters. I think it matters who is considered funny. It matters because comedy is a business; it's a workplace, and it matters because of that kind of authority. You know, we look to the late night news to tell us how to think and how to feel about whatever just happened today. You know, we look to these voices of authority, even though they're they're comic. And so, I want to shift that balance. I want to change the assumptions about who is funny. Because when you change assumptions about who is funny, you actually change the face of power. And comedy is one way and place to do that. If you want to learn more about Gold Comedy or take their courses, head on to goldcomedy.com. Stay tuned for our postscript segment, Kindness Calling. In this episode of Kindness Calling, we're featuring Faith Ajanaku and Maxine Magtoto, 
Teens Behind Modern Divergence, a youth-led international organization that advocates for neurodivergence and combats the impacts of mental, social, and developmental health stigma in pediatric healthcare. When I was around 13, which is around my freshman year, I was diagnosed with depression. That's Faith. She was born in Nigeria and is currently a high school student in Grand Prairie, Texas. And after that, it was really challenging just really navigating, just having depression with my family and my friends. And there were even times I was just embarrassed to admit that I had depression. This led Faith to reflect on her experience and the stigma that revolves around mental health. Two years ago, I myself did not know what the word neurodiversity even was. For people who don't know, it basically states that neurological differences like depression, autism, and those developmental conditions aren't defects, but they're rather normal and even gifts at most times. According to an article from Scientific American, the neurodiversity movement believes that people with neurological differences are not broken or incomplete. They also believe that people with atypical brains are fully human, with inalienable human rights, just like everyone else. Our mission is really to advocate for neurodivergence and raise awareness for the impacts it has on different aspects of society, such as healthcare. So as a teen-led organization, we really created Modern Divergence to allow us to use our diverse skills and interests to really raise awareness for something that we all care about. Modern Divergence created a plethora of digital resources for their community, anything from podcasts to research and webinars that help create awareness around neurodiversity. What inspired me to work with Faith and pursue this mission at Modern Divergence was really being able to meet up with Faith as a fellow neurodivergent individual. That's Maxine Magtoto, a 12th grader at Brent International School in Manila in the Philippines. It started off as a smaller campaign known as AAA, and we mainly began by creating audiobooks on children's stories for the visually impaired, and it's grown a lot since then. Modern Divergence has become a safe space for teens and young adults who have mental health and developmental conditions. I believe it was in May, Modern Divergence had a webinar over minority mental health. We really thought it was important for us to really bring awareness to that because a lot of minorities, just because of their parents or just of social and societal stigma, it's just hard for some minorities to really talk about mental health. And it's especially for minority parents, some of them don't really understand that mental health is an actual thing. After the doctor said I had depression and everything, it was more than it being, are you okay? It was more like, what did we do wrong? Why can't you just be happy? So that was really what led me to becoming a bit more embarrassed about my condition and just not wanting to really talk about it and not being able to really find help and support due to that. Faith and Maxine were both determined to provide the support they felt other young people needed. But like any other organization, Promoting your costs and getting the resources you need to scale your mission could be tremendously challenging. When Faith randomly came across the Call for Kindness competition from Riley Tway Foundation, she immediately jumped at the opportunity. She was thrilled that Modern Divergence won a grant along with other youth-led projects. So apart from receiving our grant, we also attend leadership sessions to learn about networking, how to reach out to press, how to do fundraisers. And we always know that we can rely on Riley's way for any advice and support. And so far, it's just been really amazing knowing that we can reach out to them. Maxine shares how Riley's Way Foundation helps mobilize young people across America and even other parts of the world, like the Philippines, around values of kindness, compassion, and empathy. 
And I think that young people are especially critical in building a kinder and more compassionate world because we're in this unique position where we grew up alongside technology. We never really had to be introduced to it. And because of this, it's not only become a really critical component of our lives, but it's quickly morphed into one of those ways, like one of the main ways that we reach out to others. And this is really where kindness and compassion start. So that's it for Kindness Calling. If you want to learn more about Modern Divergence, please check out their website, moderndivergence.com, and their podcast, Motive Talks. That's M-O-D-I-V Talks. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, Riley's Way Foundation. On January 25th, Riley's Way Foundation opened its national initiative, the Call for Kindness Competition, for its third year. Teens from all around the country can submit their projects and ideas that are designed to make a difference and inspire kindness in their communities. Winners will be given $3,000 each to help implement their projects with their school or nonprofit partners. Deadline to submit entries is on April 7th. To learn more about the Call for Kindness and other life-changing programs at Riley's Way Foundation, please head on over to rileysway.org or callforkindness.org. Links are in our show notes. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to share this episode. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for a brand new story of kindness in action next week. <laughs>